Solar Patrol, elite champions of justice in a lawless galactic frontier. Today on Dumpster Book Club, we're reading Space Cops, Mind Blast by Diane Duane and Peter Morwood. I'm Sean. And I'm Mimi. And I'm Nick. And this book uses the words squirt and dump <laughs> way too often. You can't forget leak. Or wad. <laughs> really shorthand notes throughout and I would just write a page number hot dump (laughs) (laughs) I didn't notice the dumps or the the squirts but I did notice the wads oh my god there were many wads there was times when they used squirt as a verb and an object in one sentence (laughs) I missed that wow masterful cover yeah oh yeah it looks like If a Cylon from Battlestar Galactica teamed up with Marty McFly. Wow. But what is going on with his eyes? (laughs) Who's that? Marty McFly. (laughs) Yeah, he's got those goggles. Those are the goggles let him see through the wall. (laughs) I thought it was the sight on top of his Remington. (laughs) Also, there's the planes that did not happen. I just love the uh, shininess of everything on it. They did a really good job making that metal look shiny. And those lasers look awesome with the arcs around the gun. Just crackling electricity. Yeah, good good negative space with the explosions in the space station. (laughs) And did you expect a plodding, thoughtful detective story? (laughs) With literally no action to speak of? action no i was not expecting this book to be what it was at all nick was here last january for kill ratio kill ratio which i feel like was about what we expected (laughs) yeah Yeah. comically bad space cops i thought let's do it again (laughs) but um this book actually wasn't bad it was okay it was not bad it was constructed poorly But reading it was enjoyable. It was okay. (laughs) Wow. Diane Duane and Peter Morwood are, seems like, pretty successful, both as writers and screenwriters. And they are married to each other. That's sweet. And they've worked together on a a few different projects. Peter Morwood mostly writes fantasy and screenplays, and Diane has written a lot more science fiction. She has a background in astronomy and astrophysics, though also biological sciences. She's a registered nurse for a while. There there is a lot of chemistry talk in this book. (laughs) Well... She knows what she's talking about, I I guess. guess. And they actually, on their honeymoon, they wrote a Star Trek novel together. Wow. Their honeymoon? That's what they did? Yeah! A bunch of nerds. (laughs) Some of Diane's other works include, like, the Young Wizard series, also a series about cat wizards, Um, and then she's done a ton of Star Trek stuff. So, on her website, it says, over the course of her career, Dwayne has worked with Star Trek in more forms than any other person alive. Wow. Television, books, 
audio, comics, manga, and computer games. Wow. What's the Star Trek manga like? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, and she wrote an episode of The Next Generation where no one has gone before. Do you know that one, Nick? I, I don't know it by name. It's the one where they have some technicians come out to test the warp drive and they end up in, like, the outer rim of the universe. Oh, the one where they get shot really far? Yeah. That was, like, the one, the book you read recently? Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. Collision course. Yeah, that's the one. Is that... And then Wesley becomes promoted to Ensign. And he's a special boy. The alien talks about how special the boy is. That's the one. She wrote that. Wow. And it's based on one of her books. Incredible. How prolific. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, Peter Morewood's website is under construction and has a stock photo with a sword photoshopped on top Uh, of it. It doesn't have like a gif of like a caution (laughs) and like a little tractor. (laughs) And he's best known for the Horse Lords series. (laughs) Man, we should read that after we finish Tank Lords. That's about it. There's, like, a ton of information. I think Diane goes, like, to all the sci-fi conventions, and she's uh, pretty well-known in those circles, I think. Wow. Peter Morwood is from Ireland, Mm. and they moved back there together after getting married. And I think... I can see his influence on this story. Uh, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a little bit of Ireland in there. Uh, mostly Welsh, I guess. Yeah. Wow. While this book is not bad and somewhat enjoyable, the prologue is the worst fucking thing I've ever read in my life. It was so horrible. The the diving and rolling for prudence sake, prudence's sake. <laughs> yeah. The dark bulge. <laughs> just it's just seven pages, but I read that and I was like, I don't know if I can finish this book, guys. We might have to change it. <laughs> yeah. Same. It was like gritty noir style, and n- nothing else in the book is written that way. No. I was trying to figure out what's wrong with it, and I think it's just an overabundance of pronouns. They're trying to keep everything very mysterious and not give away anything, but then it's also full of science future words that we don't know what they are, and we're trying to figure it out from the context. But I think the prologue makes a lot more sense imagining it as the opening of the Space Cops movie. Right. Where this would be like, okay, our detective guy, he's crawling around in a, what, who knows? A, a gritty space station and yeah. gets murdered. And then we get the space cops like title card or something. Well, I the contents of it didn't bother me as much as the writing itself yeah. was pretty brutal. Whereas the rest of the book is not really like that. You get sentences like, he spared himself one breath of laughter. This kind of confusion was what he liked to hear. <laughs> really rough on my mouth and brain. Yeah. (laughs) Or the first sentence of the story, he put his back up against the grimy corridor wall and just held himself there, breathing hard. (laughs) Because it uses he, himself, his so much, any other time there's a word that starts with an H, it's just like, like every (laughs) sentence. I don't know if that's supposed to be like, that's how out of breath he is while you're reading it. There's layers to this. Wow. This is actually really well written. (laughs) But the other part that's weird that actually happens later in the book, 
but is most prevalent here is it's kind of written in this really close third person where you're in Joss's head most of the time. And it says what he's thinking. But then in this, there's also italics that he's thinking. Yeah. So in italics, never mind that, calm now, consider the options. And then not in italics, there were always options. That was the lesson they taught you in the force. Options and the assessment of them. So is the things not in italics just a fact? Because it seems like that's what he's also thinking. He's just thinking those italics more. (laughs) Well, those are like words going through his head. He's literally thinking some specific words. Yeah. That's how I read it, at least. So is that in in the prologue? There's a lot of that in the prologue. Right. There's some of it later in the book. And when it happens later in the book, it's really crazy because there's not a lot of it. Uh Uh-huh. But the, if the prologue isn't saying he, his, his, he, his, him, it's this weird going between italics and non-italics. Mm. But after the prologue, the book's, the book is totally fine. Totally fine. Yeah. Back to normal. I just, who made it past the prologue? Because I almost did not, and I, this is going to be the job of the month. <laughs> this is my book job of the month. <laughs> so you gotta, gotta grind through. Wow. So... We've got one dead space cop. Dies in the prologue. And then we're introduced to Joss O'Banion, who's another moon cop. A sop. Yeah, which solar I didn't, patrol. Which I did not know that it meant space cop. I don't think they actually no. announced that. They just started using the word yes. sop. And I thought it was like a word, like a sap. Well, it kind of does seem like a derogatory, but they only use it for themselves. Yes. Or sometimes other people will call them sops. Joss loves moon rocks. He's on a vacation collecting moon rocks. When they call him back for a, for a new mission. But also, I don't think that ever comes up ever again. No. Just mention it. His, his chemistry history comes up. Yes. Uh, unendingly. In the story. Oh, yeah. But where you never just, the like, rocks. look at a chemical and, like, hmm, I know what that does. <laughs> uh, so he's lost his partner to Pluto. Yeah. They've, they've he's, left. Yeah, he's getting a new partner, and he's he doesn't know how he feels about that because his old partner took a job on Pluto to get as far away from it as possible. <laughs> <laughs> but they're still friends. <laughs> and his new partner... Yeah, the computer pairs them up. The oh, computer yeah. knows who to pair people with. Evan. Glundor. Glundor. Because Evan Ham Hands Glundor. <laughs> he has hands the size of ham. Um. <laughs> a hand the size of a ham. We don't know about the other ones. <laughs> well, if he's got more than one other hand. So he's specifically trained to wear like this military grade super suit. Power armor. Yeah. And his partner is the dead sop from the prologue. Him. Yeah. He. He. His. Him. (laughs) It was Lawn or something like that? Yeah. And it was like set up the intro to. Why wasn't he there? Why wasn't he there with his partner backing him up? I, I don't know if it was explained or if well, I just forgot. in the prologue, Lon wishes that Evan was there with mm. him. But who wouldn't? Yeah. <laughs> you just scare him off with his ham hands. <laughs> <laughs> so it's set up like the beginning of like a buddy cop movie where two new partners 
getting yeah. to know each other. They're very different because Joss is a nerd who loves moon rocks, and Evan is a jock. Yeah, he's he's a big, <laughs> a big ham-handed power super soldier. I think I did like the buddy cop aspect yeah. of this book because it wasn't like they both hated each other. Or they both really liked each other. They both like kind of disliked each other, but worked together to get yeah, along. They, like, they, they got along okay. They, they were adults, and they put their <laughs> dumb problems aside. And they had enjoyable, witty banter. Not like... Something night. we haven't experienced in years. <laughs> Specifically, Nightblood. We'll, we'll come back to that, I'm sure. Okay, so Joss also has Telia, who's like a, a tech girl that... Always talking to him through his earpiece. It's like their call center person. She's the their their man in the chair, and she's also the ear person for Evan. They just happen to have the same friend, or she was assigned to them. I don't know. They seemed surprised oh. by that fact. Oh yeah, I guess that's true. And then Lucretia seems like their boss. Yeah, their their handler. Yeah. <laughs> It's managing their budget and yeah. constantly pissed at them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Damn it, Joss, you don't play by the rules. <laughs> You're a loose cannon. <laughs> Except but, Joss is like, he really plays by the rules. Oh, yeah. And I mean. And Evan too, kind of. Well, They all play by it, the rules. Except Evan is the one that's like. Using their entire budget on bribes <laughs> yeah. and expensive foods. That's really funny. <laughs> wow. Lon was killed while investigating some extra data in the squirts <laughs> <laughs> on the space station Freedom. There's some big leaks there. They had leaky squirts on Freedom. <laughs> <laughs> squirts of data. <laughs> yeah. Investigating the communications system, the communications data squirt leaks. <laughs> <laughs> so they have to go to Space Station Freedom together to figure it out and figure out about Lon's death. But Lon, before he was killed, suggested that communication with uh, Space Cop headquarters has been compromised. Yeah. But then Joss is like, I doesn't matter. I'll just keep sending all the sensitive <laughs> yeah, data over never, to the that never, that never changes anything they do or no. has any impact. But it does significantly impede their investigation Maybe. because Lon never sent any yeah. actual details So they don't, about. they have to start over, basically. Yeah. Maybe Lon was just paranoid. It's possible. It is. But we don't know for sure. So Joss went to college on Freedom. It's like space station, super Gone. low gravity gone downhill since he went to college there yeah um and we get a lot of background detail um in the beginning with how society's organized there rich people are living on like floating islands basically and then it seems like as you go down into the station it gets worse and worse there's like bad neighborhoods or something street gangs and then also, there's a lot about the dystopian future where corporations become essentially sovereign nations in space and function as countries. 
Um, on top of that, Freedom is having some budget problems where it seems like no one has enough money or manpower to do anything. The cops don't have enough people and they're super slow to react to anything. The local cops. Yeah. Not the SOPs. Not the space cops. The solar police. <laughs> uh, doctors. Just everything's bad. Everything's right? messed up. And then there's also a new space drug has appeared called Mind Blast. Makes you super smart. And then you die. Yeah, it adds more connections in your brain. So you can use all 100% of your brain. And then you die. It becomes addicting and then it's very easy to overdose, right? Yeah. So you can keep doing it for a long time and like slowly degrade or you can just get mind blasted. Yeah. Somebody was talking about like trying it once one of their contacts. He said once you come down off of it... You feel super stupid. Yeah, and then you have to live your life knowing that you're a dumb idiot. Yeah. That's how I live every day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Wouldn't matter to you. I liked the bit about the, the lady who was addicted. Yeah, there's a small interlude chapter where we're introduced to this mind blast drug through Joanna Mallory, who's basically using Mind Blast to do better at her job. And this was, like, the saddest part of this book. Yeah. It was, like, a little little too real for me. Just, like, this is my nightmare. Just dying at my office. <laughs> and, all right, that's it. <laughs> that's your nightmare, yeah. dying at my office. <laughs> just, she puts so much into this job, and it matters so much, and she knows so many stupid details that are so specific to all these things she needs to know how to do, and then it doesn't matter. Because she just dies. She just dies. She dies from knowing all those specific details about her job. And none of it amounted to anything, and no one cares. And then Joss and Evan show up. <laughs> yeah, that happens, like, right before they arrive there. Like, she, she died, and then they show up. I remember being weirded out by that particular scene because there were a lot of, like, people coming in and out. Stepping over the dead body. (laughs) Yeah, you've got, like, the medical team who comes, or no, the cops first. I don't even remember. They just, like, show up and then leave. And then the medical team shows up, takes the body and leaves. And it's like, you're meeting all these characters who are all just, like, filing in and out of this office. Uh, In fact, she dies in the PR office which is the public relations for all of Freedom, the space station, which is headed by Doran Orseries. Orseries? <laughs> I don't know. Or Kyries. No idea. Doran. 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 Wow. Uh, who does nothing but lead them to other people. She points them into some directions for their investigation, and she flirts with Joss a little bit. Yeah, like throughout the book... She's flirting with Joss. They go on a date. So the first stop on their investigation to the squirts is to Burjon Corporate Headquarters, who is the corporation that is complaining of their data squirts (laughs) being pirated and sent to other places that has corporate secrets in it. And the corporate secret that they're so afraid that everyone's going to get is a new secret anti-wrinkle cream yeah. made from pigs. <laughs> I I thought, like, for sure, oh, this has got to be the, the drug that is, uh, like, the actual well, why thing. wasn't it a, the drug? Yeah. 
<laughs> Why was the drug separate from the squirts? Yeah. The drug, the anti-wrinkle cream is nothing. Then but nothing happens. But, but that's the thing they're sent to investigate. Yeah. Is that data being stolen? There's just, it's all intertwined, and that's why it's full of red herrings. And, yeah. Um, but it's not intertwined. They're two separate things. Yeah. Well, that's what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> there's one person... That connects them. There's, anyway. a lot, there's a lot going on. <laughs> there is a lot it, going on. It, it makes it difficult to investigate because there's just so many mysteries. I don't know. So after learning about the anti-wrinkle cream, <laughs> oh, right. they're introduced to Trevor, who is the data security officer for Burjon. Squirts. In, <laughs> yeah. And he's... Um, he's in charge of all the dumps. Yes. <laughs> And he tells, he explains how the squirts and dumps work. And it's possibly the worst form of communication imaginable. <laughs> There's like 10 steps where someone has to manually enter the data into a computer. And there's hundreds where anyone could read the data. Okay, where's the most likely place for someone to insert data or get data and he's like uh the, like every single step <laughs> yeah, from here to every, space every single step is like a, just a usb port where you plug in and take out whatever you want uh but first he leads them to the data squirting center <laughs> which is where all the squirts come from <laughs> the source of all the squirts the squirt source. And they have to interview everyone just like office space style. I really liked the interviews. They're really doing their job investigating. They're doing some boring police work. Yeah. They just yeah. sit down with everybody and ask them the same set of questions. Right. And they interview a guy named Persno. Yeah. With There's no, like no, nowhere near enough uh, vowels in his name. <laughs> but they're, they just read his name and they're like, this is the guy. <laughs> No, they, they, he comes in first. They talk to him, and then they're both like, oh, yeah, that's the guy. They've got a hunch. No, yeah, they both They've got trained big, to old, hunches. big old hunches. You got to listen to your hunch. Even with their hunches, though, they they don't just, like, jump on Prisno. They have to wait. For, oh, yeah. And so yeah. They, they do follow-up work yeah. of staking him out. and Yeah, and... Persno straight up tells them that there's a whole nother area in which data can be leaking in that sometimes they just have to manually fly the data to the moon. Right. <laughs> a whole nother system of transportation of people that can also get to it, which sends them all to customs. And while they're following Prisno, he ends up getting needled. Oh, uh, yeah. Which was... A really horrifying way to die. Another horrifying way to die. <laughs> it's just a gun that shoots, like, hairs at you. That... And it pops all his eyeballs. And <laughs> all of them. All <laughs> two. All two of his eyeballs get pierced by little needles and the fluids come out. Yeah, pretty gross. But um, they're also poison. Oh, yeah. That's yes. what kills you. It just is very painful until you yeah. die from poison. You have to die feeling your eyeballs drain of all the <laughs> fluids. Wow. So then customs. And the whole scene where they go to customs, it's like they wander around and look at everything. And just really take in the scenery, which is an entire room dedicated to butt searches. <laughs> it's the most important part of customs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
There's like the special toilets with filters, uh, and yeah. everybody's oh, got their right, gloves on, that. and they're like got all their enema tools. Um, Which is where they meet Jensen, <laughs> who has been a part of sending out extra squirts. Uh, and they find a He's the pilot, right? Or is yeah. he, he the? Isn't there a like a what was the name of the head guy? Like uh, that's like Peter or something. Peter Higgins. Peter Hoggins. He loves overtime. <laughs> that's that's his like <laughs> defining character trait. Like oh yeah, overtime. That's what I like. Um, yeah, Jensen is a pilot, and on multiple of his flights, there have been leaked squirts. <laughs> But uh, more importantly, they find some mind blast on him. And when I say more importantly, it's because the drug that is not a part of this investigation is more important than the investigation. (laughs) Is this before or after they first go into the lower levels? Uh, We're going kind of out of order here. Because there's a point where they go into the lower levels, kill like three people just because they, they do start shooting at them first. Well, they're trying to show that you can't just kill a sop and get away with it. Right. So they go to where Lon was killed and just kill some people. Yeah. And then and then like mess up the graffiti of like, oh, yeah, we killed this cop. They just messed that up. I was surprised at that, like, because I didn't actually know why they were going down there. Maybe they said before, but I didn't notice And then they're just like, oh, here it is, where Lon was killed. They just went there and just covered up the graffiti, and that's it. And they killed some people. Yeah, and there's some other parts where they're bored or frustrated, and Joss or Evan will just say, God, I wish I could just shoot someone. (laughs) Yeah. I don't care who. I just need to shoot somebody to blow off some steam. Yeah, at least it's realistic. Yeah, I was going to say, that's like just... Yeah, but there's points where, like, they're they're sitting outside of a restaurant or something, or a bar, I think it was, and they start getting shot at for some reason because they don't want them to crack the case, Uh, and he's wearing his power armor, so he just vaporizes him with, like, (laughs) machine gun, like, there's a cone of machine gun fire, and he's just, like completely splattered all over the wall and like it's described like that and then they keep drinking they just keep go back to their drinks i just i did want to compare the action sequences in this to kill ratio because both that scene and the one where they go down there just to kill some people to punish them they get into a stationary position and then just have so much better gear they can like see through walls right and just disabled disabled killed disabled and then the scene ends and if you remember kill ratio there's like the truck drives away and they have those guns that like melt everything and like he's jumping from car to car and that guy's face gets cut off yeah and then he's like shooting just people on the sidewalk that have nothing to do with it and there's explosions everywhere the kill ratio action scenes were certainly there was more spectacle to them. <laughs> and this one, if you remember, the, the first action sequence is like, uh, Joss, there's a guy on your right. Through the wall. Hit him in the hand. Got him. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But at least in this, you could understand what was happening. Yeah, Kill that's ratio true. had, like, they were really flying by the seat of their pants writing that one. <laughs> yeah. Like, did anyone read this a second time? Like, this clearly does not match up. 
this physically is not possible. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like always Evan who's like prepared and killing people. Joss, Joss always sees. Joss just wants to wants to look at moon rocks. But also he there are but times he's like God, I wish I could just shoot somebody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Ugh. that's true. But like he's always going into situations totally exposed. Yeah, he doesn't wear his body armor. He doesn't wear his body armor because he, he's too embarrassed. Yeah, he doesn't like wearing his body armor, even though like I can't imagine his body armor is more embarrassing. Obtrusive. Look at that. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the body armor that he wears is nowhere near as huge and loud as Evan's power armor, where it's smooth and shiny and everyone's staring at them all the time. Yeah, I imagine it's like really loud, like, clang, clang, yeah, clang. Because it's always talking about everyone is always looking at him. Like, yeah. I imagine Evan thinks it's cool, but everyone's like, uh, you're knocking over all the drinks on the table. (laughs) The other thing that's funny is, like, everyone is, like, looking at him, but they also don't talk to him like he's a person. They treat him like he's, like, a dumb robot. So he's kind of used to people treating him like that. And they all, like, they talk to Joss because that's the human. But then... Yeah, well, I mean, if you walk into a room and there's one guy in a chair and one guy has crushed the chair and is sitting on the floor (laughs) inside a tank... You're going to talk to the the person. Um, Another thing I really liked about his suit is in their downtime, Evan just kind of like shows Joss how it works and stuff. And like the layers of fabric, the sweat wicking stuff on the inside. It gets pretty stinky after a while. (laughs) Um, It's just cool. Swap out the insides. But he also wears it on the plane. Yeah. <laughs> they get on the plane to freedom and he wears it the whole plane ride. Yeah. It must be pretty comfortable. I mean, I guess that's how you get into first class. Yeah, well, it's got that, like, memory foam stuff around you, too. <laughs> Do you think like... he was just standing the whole... Like, he didn't sit down, <laughs> okay. just standing in aisle. Okay, but also, how do you pack that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that'll fit in a carry-on. Oh, man, imagine how screwed he'd be if his luggage got lost. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I can understand why he wore it. Well, but also, <laughs> I can't pack this. It's too big, so I just got to... That's, that's what you're supposed to do on the plane. You put on your bulkiest clothes, so you don't have to put them in your luggage. Um, <laughs> that's a bulky outfit. <laughs> wow. During this investigation, they're supposed to be finding the source... Of the squirts and of all the leaks that. in the squirts. Yeah, the leaks. Uh, the leaky dumps. And any considerable wads that were paid to people. <laughs> considerable sized wads. But Evan clearly, to him, it matters more what happened to Lon and catching that guy. So digging around in these sketchy areas kind of leads them also to their gang contacts. The furries. Yeah, there were, like, a bunch of queer punks and furries. Got a lot of body mods to make them look like lizards or cheetahs and stuff. Yeah, body painting. Just a lot of time describing their fashion. Yeah. It's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. And Evan is just hanging out with with them. Yeah. It, is he in his power armor then? I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he's in the power armor. Okay. Oh, good. Yeah, somehow he befriends... All you befriend them by giving them tons of money. Oh, yeah, That's yeah, That's yeah. the best way to make friends. That's 
Correct. And then they get introduced to Lawrence, who has a mentally disabled child named Bevel. That's not the word they use in the book. No. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to say one of the <laughs> You have a quote? Late, later on, yeah. Okay, okay. Because Lawrence is a really good chemist. So they take the sample they found from Jensen's butt for him to analyze. Was it? No, it was in his purse. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody planted them, he says. It was his, in his body fanny purse. Pack. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this whole scene was set up like it was foreshadowing. I was like, oh my God, I know what's going to happen, but. It didn't happen. It's definitely set up that you think Bevel is going to eat some of yeah, the candies. They're the right. drug is contained inside of a big hard candy. And it's like, oh, she's mentally disabled. She's gonna eat this candy drug and something will happen. Never happens. No. Yeah, they mention it as like uh what what would happen if a kid ate that candy? He'd be the smartest kid in the world, and <laughs> then he'd be dead. The camera <laughs> zooms in on the mentally disabled yeah. kid. Yeah. <laughs> But nope. Just adds a little bit of tension to this chemistry scene. Lawrence was such a nice guy. Um, Care about his daughter. Yeah, Lawrence is a nice guy. And then he just keeps suggesting red herrings to them that even Joss is like, this, that's a dumb idea. It's definitely not that. But despite of all of their investigation, Joss goes on a walk and some guys try to kill him in a zero-G dockyard. And he manages to torture one. Yeah. Who tells him, oh, the bad guy is Darren. <laughs> and then he goes to Darren. Doran. Is it Doran? It's a Doran. Okay, I wrote it incorrectly. Uh, he goes to Doran and then tortures her until she says, it was Lawrence that made the drug. And then they go to Lawrence and they torture him. <laughs> Did they torture him? Well, kind of. I guess. This is psychological. Yeah. Okay. And he was making Mind Blast because he was trying to find a way to cure his child Bevel and just decided to sell it to make money. To continue funding his research. And then Joss and Evan dust off their hands like, all right, case solved. And then no one knows about the squirts (laughs) (laughs) that they were there to investigate. So I I thought Doran was saying that it was it was Persno who was squirting. He was the one doing all the <laughs> he was squirts, leaking his squirts. So yeah, Persno was doing the squirts to get money for Mind Blast to fund his habit. But they never found out who was paying Persno to steal the data. Well, probably a corporate rival that ended up but with the data. But that's what they were there to investigate. They were not there to investigate the drugs. But, I mean, if Persno's their guy, then, like... He's dead. It's cool. You know, we got gonna it. they're not going to prosecute the, the rival company. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, someone keeps stealing our data. It's like, oh, it's, it's just uh, Evan in the mail center where all the data goes through. Like, oh, Okay. We'll just fire him, and then the problem will be solved. No one will try to steal anything again. I think that's how. I think that's how that works. <laughs> well, they could have just fired everyone and hired new people, and that would have solved the problem. They don't have money for that. <laughs> they just don't need the sops. I'm not saying it's unrealistic. I'm saying it's not a fun detective story because we didn't solve the thing we were there for. We just created a new one at the very end and solved that, and we're like, all right. We did it. 
all the questions kind of just like at the end, it's like mm, all your detective work doesn't matter because you just found out just they just told you yeah they just told you what happened which is also like realistic cops just kind of stumble onto the evidence (laughs) or the answers but i want to read a fun detective story give me some clues and some some snooping and some clever (laughs) twists and turns well doran was in charge of pr was that it yeah what She's the head of PR. But she's, because she was like in charge of the drug operations too. She just found out what Lawrence was doing and said, I won't tell anyone if you give me a percent of the sales. Right. Yeah. So she's like a drug lord. Yeah. She was causing other problems in freedom to make people want to do more mind blast. I didn't get that. Yeah. So she was artificially creating a lot of the money problems. Yes. Oh, right. Because then all the, all the cops like- are desperate for money and also don't care about doing their jobs. Yeah. So it's like she has way more power over them. And then that's all the punks and stuff are less regulated by cops and everything. But if that's like the crazy thing that she's doing, why not just at the beginning, hey, there's this crazy drug thing going on, Freedom, right. go investigate that. Don't, <laughs> hey, there's this weird squirt problem, go investigate <laughs> the dump leaks. <laughs> I, it was like, I mean... <laughs> no one cares about this Burjon Corporation. Yeah, their exactly. Cream, I don't give a shit. But they discovered a, a much more compelling mystery and solved that. And like the other one, but, along with it. But they did. <laughs> it was Persno, and he's dead, needled to death. They could have made him more intertwined, like they were squirting the information on how to okay. make blind mind blast well, or. Right? Actually, Burjon was making the chemical mind blast, and that's how the data got squirted out, and someone else got it. The great twist at the end is that the drugs are the packing peanuts. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's how they were getting them to Earth, which is like, that question got asked two pages before the end. How do they get the drugs to Earth? And then, in the end, it's the packing peanuts. Huh. <laughs> And the the head of the customs like, oh yeah, overtime. <laughs> and then they all high five, and then it freeze frames in the bookends. Oh my god! Well, okay, just because we did recently read Nightblood, which is a book that was filled with investigators, FBI agents, cops forensics experts, private detectives, and absolutely zero actual investigation happened in that. This felt like miles ahead of that. Yeah, there was a ton of investigation. They did stakeouts, they did interviews, they went to all these places, just none of it mattered. It's just a waste of my time. I should have just <laughs> read the last chapter. <laughs> you didn't enjoy any of those? I did. I did enjoy the the characters of Joss and Evan having fun together mm-hmm. while doing their mind-numbing police work. Yeah, they had a great relationship, played off each other, always making fun of each other in a, a light-hearted and fun way, not like Nightblood at all. <laughs> and honestly, if, if you watch buddy cop movies, they don't make any sense at all. <laughs> <laughs> also, something that came up a lot in their, like, fun banter though there were a ton of pop culture references yeah joss is like an aficionado of 20th century media which i thought is is very lame yeah yeah 
overall, I feel like the book did a pretty good job of world building and creating freedom as like a believable setting with a lot of depth. And it's not like one monolithic society. There's, I mean, there's a lot of detail there. But then this, I felt like, was kind of a letdown. It's such a lazy cop out to do like sop out yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah they should have made him an aficionado of some new thing and yeah then they could tell us all like, about it what pop culture would exist between the 90s and the future mm-hmm. that has come and gone that joss might know about but it's all like batman and old movies mm-hmm. yeah they make fun of joss a lot for his weird references to pop culture like nobody understands because it's pop culture from however many hundreds of years ago when i saw the title i immediately thought it was going to be like the show cops but in space (laughs) just imagine like a hundred one or two page like oh we got a domestic dispute on uranus we gotta go and then there's like i didn't do nothing it wasn't me Or, like, you know, a bunch of fat cops, like, chasing, like, one guy who's not wearing pants, like, jumping over a fence or something. In space. Yeah. I love that. But then, that would be much worse, but I wanted wanted to read that book, and then there could be, like, an overarching story, like, maybe, oh, there's Mind Blast becomes more and more frequent thing they're called for. It's like a, like a mockumentary, is that what you're looking for, but in a book? Um, so along with just the two mysteries that aren't really linked that really frustrated me book, the other thing was that beginning, they were telling them that communications between cops to the police center might be compromised. Yeah. And then that never came up. Yeah. They just talked to T all the time. Yeah. But there was also like, there was a time when like, oh, T can't be here. I'm Ivan. You can send (laughs) me the data. And then you're like, uh, what is, are you, don't do it. (laughs) <laughs> and they do, and it's fine. And they, just, they never even mention, like, hey, T, who was that Ivan guy? <laughs> or anything. It was just realism. Because T had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> but then, what, like, broke my brain. So at the end, they're trying to figure out where the mind blast is being made. And they find a notepad who had written 14. And they, like, do that Indiana Jones thing where they, like go over it with charcoal so they can see the the indent of the word 14. Like, what could 14 mean? It's this really significant number. And they find out it's the 14th floor of freedom. But I was rereading the prologue, and Lucretia, their boss, is on the 14th floor <gasps> of Space Cops <laughs> Central. Oh, my God. <laughs> Which they definitely did not plan for that. <laughs> But it's just like they didn't read it a second time and realize that really significant 14 number comes up on, like, page two. Maybe it's just another red herring. For you to read the the second time you read the book? (laughs) I don't know. But I wanted to... I wrote down some things that are set up that just never pay off. Okay. Uh, One is that, them saying that communications may be compromised. Because they didn't even say, oh, I guess it wasn't. They just... 
never brought it up. Yeah. In the prologue, they spend a lot of time discussing how you can pull the panels off the wall and crawl to other places underground, or how people will hide paraphernalia in them. And like it was, there were these hobo marks telling you what everything was. There were the flyers that Joss could not shut up about throughout the whole book. Remember, he's talking about how oh, I was in college, we'd go up on the oh, hill yeah. and flyer glares, it was really dangerous, and we'd play fight and stuff. Oh, yeah. Why was it? I was expecting there to be you know a guy runs away from him and jumps on a glider and he's got to chase him and get on the glider and get him or yeah, anything that would have been an exciting scene <laughs> yeah no gliding i was trying to think you know he, he reminisces about his college days and that's kind of what leads him to that final scene where he's like exploring where he just walks and then finds a guy who yeah. tells yeah. him yeah but uh, uh who sent you it was, uh, was doran oh Perfect. <laughs> I'm glad you came to tell me that. <laughs> but no no gliders. He yeah. just really goes on and like there's a bunch of yeah. moments of portent where he says how dangerous it is or how the cops can't stop you if you're doing it. Yeah. There's the candy drugs with Bevel where you think that she's going to eat them. There's the autopsy lady that they meet at the beginning. When the woman overdoses on uh, Mind Blast, they go to an autopsy lady's house, spend a lot of time talking to her and learning about her, and then they just never go back. Yeah, a lot of the characters kind of like one and done or (laughs) two and done. Those were some of the ones that drove me crazy. Yeah, I think looking at the entire book, the whole thing together, yeah, it set up a lot of things that didn't pay off. Maybe it didn't 100% make sense. But definitely while you're following along the thread, it's like they did a really good job of not kind of giving away the mystery. You want to find out what's going on. Like each step most of them made sense. Yeah, because yeah, they're going to the scene of the crime and like the first... You're with them on the journey to f- solve this mystery. Yeah, so the fact the book doesn't make sense is fine because you're just hanging out with Joss and Evan while they talk to each other and yeah. do boring stuff. <laughs> so this book kind of reminds me of the Expanse series. There's talk about how low gravity changes the structure of human beings. One of the things that I thought was pretty interesting about the low gravity stuff is there's like a whole part at the beginning where they talk about farming in low gravity yeah. and like the tomatoes and and how they're enormous <laughs> and Evan says, oh, I bet they taste like water balloons or something like that and he's like, nope, we got real pigs to shit on them. <laughs> Tastes great. Yeah, uh, but a lot of that stuff kind of reminded me of The Expanse, which is a better series. You should read that. Oh, you don't want to read book two? There is a Space Cops 2, right? Space Cops Kill Station. Wow. It's a trilogy, I think. Mm. Anyway, that's all I had. It just reminded (laughs) me of that. A lot of this stuff, these these are basically belters from The Expanse. I Uh, think there was some good, fun sci-fi world building. It's definitely soft sci-fi. Yes. But, yeah, that was all fun. Well, who do you think this book is for? It was pretty enjoyable, I think, if you want to read a... Space cop, buddy cop. Buddy cops in space. And you're not too concerned about the details? Yeah, if you want to find stuff to pick apart, there's plenty in here. Yeah, it's definitely not as action-packed or rompy as the cover 
makes you think it is. It's a little bit more slow and you just kind of hang with the characters. There are there are a few action scenes uh-huh. like when um, Bevel gets grabbed as a human yeah. shield and Joss just carefully and quickly oh, yeah. shoots the <laughs> shoots the person holding I don't really understand why she was there to kill was it to kill Joss? Uh, oh, it was to kill his contact. Yeah, they were getting too right. close. Yeah. The the like the runner. Punk. Yeah. The punk. Their notoriety score hit 25, so now <laughs> they get random encounters with punks. Right. And that actually had one of my favorite quotes is when he brings Bevel back to Lawrence. Like Lawrence is talking about how um, her mental problems, her non-glandular psychoneural affective syndrome, and he trails off about what it means. And Joss says, I'm very sorry. Yes, well, she may be, but at least she's not dead. <laughs> Oh, that made me laugh so hard. And he's like saying that right in front of her. <laughs> it's like oh, the the reason he made this drug is to make her smarter and the worst thing. Oh, I have a quote to share also. Great. That makes two of us, partner, Joss said. Late lunch and then comms. A man's got to eat, Evan said. That's something I've been meaning to ask you about, Joss said. When you're stuck in the armor for long periods and you have to... For pity's sake, not before lunch, said Evan. (laughs) They do mention getting food a lot. Like they'll they'll say he's a big guy. They'll they'll eat. like finish with a an interview with somebody and then oh I'm thinking lunch we should go get lunch that happens fifty times. <laughs> well, if you get Lucretia to pay for it, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> Lucretia will call and yell at you. She does yell at them a fair amount, but does care. She cares. It's just the brass breathing down my neck. Unless she's really behind it all. (sighs) 14. That'll be it for Space Cop's Mind Blast. (laughs) If you'd like to join us next month, we're reading Metallic Love by Tanith Lee. You can contact us at dumpsterbookclub at gmail.com or join our group on Goodreads. Thanks for joining us, Nick. It was a mild romp. It was mildly rompy. It was, it was fine. It was okay.